is up everybody welcome back to another episode of the panthers nation podcast here on the panthers nation network and finally get everybody back for you know a normal normal panthers focused podcast it's nice to be back you know after we had all those little extracurricular stuff that's always fun to have but guys how you been great thank a lot to you been great you know got, got a chance to go to training camp got a chance to see my guy live you know what i'm saying got a picture with him too so you know i you know i you know I, it was a, I my dream's complete pretty much yeah i ain't gonna lie i said don't yeah. worry we'll talk about that a lot in depth a little bit later Oh yeah, yeah, no, I've been great too. It's you can smell the football season in the air. It's getting close, and you know everything's starting up again. And seeing these clips in, on on Twitter from training camp just gets me. Um, you know, a thirty second clip just makes me feel uh, like the season's coming around the corner, and it is. So I'm, I'm excited um, for the fall to come around. And you can you can smell that football season coming back almost firsthand, can't you? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we're starting our camp this week uh, later on and, you know, college football, high school, everything's coming full swing now. And uh, I'm excited for it. Um, everybody, um, I think, you know, this is what we need, you know, as a whole, just a, a normal year in the fall. Um, we can kind of go into the season with no concerns um, about, you know, well, I shouldn't say no. Said, concerns, we, we, but, we, we, yeah. we talked about that in the last podcast. A lot, we less, a lot less concerns as last year. We're a little bit more certain than last year. So, um, you know, looking forward to it. And I can't wait to watch some Panthers football this fall. Yep, good. I mean, hey, football's here for the next five to six months. And um, I actually watched the entire Steelers-Cowboys game, which – which, if you know Jeff, he quite literally <laughs> yeah. never watched those two teams under yeah. any other circumstance. Um, and uh, But, you know, hey, it was football. And it was like – it almost didn't feel like a preseason game, if that makes any sense. It almost just felt like real football. I don't know if you guys saw the thing, same thing, but it was just – it was – I don't know. It was like it never even hit me during the game that I was watching preseason. I, I, was, um, I, I was actually excited for that game, honestly. That's, that's the crazy part. I mean, if you think about it, we didn't have preseason, so like it didn't feel like you know the last time we had had football was postseason and regular season. You know, we just went from gap straight into the regular season, so it's almost kind of like you know that makes. Hey, maybe it'll help preseason games become a bit more relevant again. Hey, two things: it was cool to see Rico Daddle do his deal with the Cowboys. Yeah, it was. Um, but I'm telling you what, and I hate to even say this as an AFC person or whatever, but Najee Harris. Uh, let me tell you what. He, he I don't know why they let what was it? Didn't they let Alejandro Villanueva? Didn't they let him go? Yeah, the, yeah. I don't the, know why the, the, the thought process there was because that's an, another great anchor to have on that line. But no, the Steelers having a, I mean, not that they didn't have a, they haven't had a dominant one. I mean, they had James Conner there for a little bit, but having that, you know, full speed running down a hill, line, uh, running back at you again, even though he's not, you know, the largest guy, he can make his. I mean, he's going to make you feel like he's there. And so no, that is. And he does wear 22, so he, he is joining the 22 club. So then um, he's got your blessing? <laughs> well, that – I'm telling you – Derek Henry. I'm telling you, double numbers are, in my mind, almost better than single numbers. Let me, let me, let me just stop you real quick, too. How cool was it on the defensive line to see – I think there was like six and nine. It was like – it was awesome. That's going to be a huge – that's going to be a huge, like, just – like having to recalibrate we go into the season and yeah. seeing all like trying to figure out who the hell these players are anymore. I feel bad for play-by-play -play guys. They're gonna have to be sure on they're on their stuff week in and week out to make sure they know who these numbers are. Um, but you know, speed. I mean, you talked about it, you know, and then getting to see Fan Fest is back. I, I mean, Fan Fest is always one of my fondest memories because that was always either it was always you know a little bit depending upon what the season was like. It used to be where it was right before my birthday was when Fan Fest was, depending upon how the offseason went or there was a preseason game. So Fan Fest was a thing we went to a couple times on my birthday. So I always loved that. And it was awesome just seeing the stadium filled with people again. 
Well, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's great. It's great to see Bank of America filled with fans. Like, I mean, remember a lot of these guys did not get a chance to see any fans in the stands last year. Like guys like Robbie Anderson. You think about how good of a season he had. He did. He never got to see. You know, <laughs> the the big the farthest member we have of Robbie Anderson right now is oh, there goes that bear. So and then he said that he he said that his that was his fondest memory. But I asked <laughs> on social media, and he's like, well, my first game there was no fans. There was a bear, and I scored a touchdown. <laughs> So I think it's gonna be crazy. I, I think it's gonna be great for the guys. I, I for second year guys like Jeremy Chin, those type of guys. I think for, get, so they can get a chance to see how much fans really appreciate them because you can't really know it through social media is cool. But Jer, a guy like Jeremy Chin, Brian Burns, or not well, not Brian Burns. He played in front of fans, but a couple of other rookies like Darren Brown, they'll get a chance to see how Panthers fans really ingratiate with their team. Mm -hmm. It definitely helps that community aspect of the team that we've been looking for and talking through, you know, talking about David Tepper and how he wants to build this organization through the community um, like we've dealt with um, in the past when we had those some great teams and great leaders on the team. So, um, you know, that's been something that's been good to see in, in all the clubs and the fans. And it, it helps, I think, the players focus up more, um, you know, now that they're playing in front of fans, um, you, you're trying not to do too much, you know, to um, impress the fans or anything, but you're trying to play within yourself um, to do well enough now that you got eyes on you. And actually up here, uh, I went to the Panthers camp, a little different, the Buffalo Panthers up here in, uh, in the northeast part of the country, went to the Buffalo Panthers, um, and it was in the stadium, probably about 15,000 people there. Um, just for the training camp is their opening practice. And, you know, they, the, even that Buffalo Panthers thing started a couple years ago. And um, there's still a lot of guys lingering around. Starla Tulele, that is that is a big man, is what I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that is a large human. And so it was good to see that. It was good to see, you know, even though it was just the Bills and not the Panthers, um, just to see how, you know, the players play in front of the fans and getting the fans to come out for, uh, you know, just the training camp practices. Yeah, I mean, you know, up, uptown Charlotte, you know, uh, being around it, there was a vibe that we hadn't felt in quite some time. Um, so to, to, you know, I, I know for the businesses that were uptown um, to, to have fans, you know, hang out and have a few beers beforehand and be able to do some stuff afterwards. Um, it was great for the city. Um, so not only is it great for the fans and, and, and the stadiums and stuff like that, but just for the surrounding areas that didn't have that opportunity last year to uh, have fans before a game uh, tailgate and, um, you know, hit some of the bars and, and just some of the things that are around, um, you know, uptown Charlotte, which is, um, you know, they got some cool things. And so it, I know the vibe around the city having Fan Fest, um, you know, it was cool. It's always interesting to see, you know, how those kind of practices go when you do have a first one where it's like under the, you know, under the lights with all the fans, because that kind of takes away from, you know, what the, what the point of the day is, is to get better and to work on things that need to be worked on. And, and from talking to, you know, Ian over with the Panthers Nation, you know, our, who runs all of this and helps and he gave us this opportunity. He's been, you know, there pretty often at camps. Shantese, we talked about, he, he also was able to make, you know, to get to pay a visit. So we'll talk with him as well about, you know, some of the things he saw. But just jumping off from what Ian has seen, at least from the last couple of days, you know, and he's, he's had that time to brew. He sent me, he sent us this, some of his talking points from the training camp. Talking about a lot of, and we can, I'll mention these and then we can go over a few of them as we go off of it. But, uh. Biggest thing he was saying was lack of discipline. And you talk about, you know, the 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 veteran presence we have on this team and the, the the years that this team has accrued. And it's on the smaller side, especially compared to, you know, teams we've had in the past. So that was the thing. Um, he was talking about how Sam, Sam has been all over the place. There's been days where he's been throwing him right in the money. He's been lining him up. But there have been some days when he's not extending the ball downfield. He's not getting all of his arm under the throw. So he's kind of concerned a little bit about that. 
Um, this is, definitely needs to see some more, you know, uh, some more of those accurate deep throws. Talking about one thing that I liked that he saw, uh, Terrace Marshall looking pretty legit out there and looking pretty comfortable on the field. And like I said, that was my bigger question mark for some of these rookies. I know he's a second rounder, but uh, you know, the placement in my mind was still, it was still a bit iffy for me. And then you're talking about secondary and O-line are shaky. The sky is blue and the secondary and the O-line are shaky. That's, I knew that was going to come up. So that's not anything new for me, even though we've talked a little bit about that secondary depth now. Uh, he mentioned about Chuba, Chuba looking good, which I mean, I'm okay with that. Like I said, we, we talked about them running Trenton over out at wide out, you know, maybe trying to add in some, you know, more opportunities for some of these other guys to get in. If they're looking to try to keep McCaffrey as healthy as possible and try to take away some of the load off of him. And then um, talking about obviously Brian Burns and Jeremy Chin, both taking steps forward. And that's great to hear because, you know, how much more, I mean, Brian Burns has already taken a bunch of steps forward. Chin is what we're looking for is that, is that, you know, what he's going to be as a defender. So going off of some of those points, and we, like I said, we'll get to Sean T's and we'll get some of the other points he's had, but just going off of those points, I think the biggest thing to talk about is lack of discipline. I mentioned that here a little second ago, and you talked about it. I was looking through the roster, only about a baker's dozen, a baker's dozen guys that have more than five, six years experience on the team. That's scary. That's really scary in terms of a veteran presence on any facet of the team. And a lot of these practices revolve around not only, especially when you have a young coaching staff, if there's no leadership there, discipline's going to become an issue. And that's concerning me going forward. Yeah. With, with, with young teams, what you tend to see is, I mean, like, like last year, you saw a team that was competitive, fiery, wasn't scared to compete against anybody, but you see late in games, those things start to unwind and you, and you start noticing guys are like, like you said, like a discipline. And that's and, and I think going young everywhere may have been a thing that I, I wasn't as bit I wasn't as keen on because I mean our head coach is young. He's a college guy. Our OC is what 32 years old. Now the oldest the oldest guy on our staff was is Phil Snow. And the one thing I noticed towards the end of the year was that the defense got better progressively as the year as, as the season went on, and the offense kind of stayed stagnant. Because you know, one thing young players have a tough a tough time of doing is adjusting to the NFL game and being able to being able to power through a 16 game season. Now 17 games, you have a coach, you have a, a an, an OC who wasn't really truly the OC at his previous stop. He was he was the passing game coordinator, so a guy's still learning the position as well. You got a bunch of young guys learning at the same time. It's it's gonna cause for a lot of mishaps that you know that for most veteran teams you wouldn't see. Mm -hmm, definitely, and we're getting to that point where okay, we we're in the off season, we're making these moves, and all of a sudden we notice that none of these guys are you know aged veterans, and none of them, none of the veterans are key players. They're guys that are competing at the end of the roster. Ideally, when you're building a team, you want the leaders to be important players at key positions. And uh, right now, we, that's not true for us. And we need guys like a Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, to take that next step as leaders, okay, to install some dis discipline within the team if, if that's an issue right now. Um, you know, it's hard to, to tell not being at camp. And, um, you know, one day, I mean, there's – during a training camp in the summer, it's hot, you're practicing, there's going to be scrums, there's going to be fights and little little things like that. But um, it's, it's about how you get over it and stuff. And we hear stuff like about the Giants camp and how they handled their uh, little fight there. But um, 
um, you know, it, it happens. It's just how you can overcome it. And so that's where the, you know, the guys on the team are going to have to step up. Guys that are going to be around for a long time, guys, guys that are going to be main contributors as starters. You know, Derek Brown, it's not too um, it's not too early for him to step up as a guy that can be a leader because he's going to be here for a while as an impact player um, going into year two now. So, you know, looking at a young coaching staff who um, in the offseason, we heard Teddy's um, complaints with their practice schedule and some of that thing. Hopefully, you know, that's an area they clean up. And then also just, you know, becoming more, you know, natural at the NFL level and, you know, coaching guys that have played longer in the league than you've, you know, coached in the league and just being able to take control of an NFL roster is uh, really going to be a step to success because um, with just talent and young guys, it's not going to win you games. You need a little bit more than that in the NFL. Well, and what comes to mind for me that kind of gives me a little bit of scare, and Jeff can attest to this too, is not you know not 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 developing that leadership presence, but then it's and it's a bit different you know sport to sport, but then relying on that veteran that leadership you know that veteran leadership presence in the game in you know situations where you need it. Like if you look across you know across Uptown Charlotte over at the Charlotte Hornets, and if you pay attention to the basketball, that was a huge problem with the Charlotte Hornets was a young roster relying on some veteran leadership. Then when you got to the wall, you know, down to the end of it and they had those play in games to try to get in the playoffs without Gordon Hayward and without some of their older guys, they couldn't get anything off the ground. So Jeff, is that something, you know, kind of that could parallel with the, with the Panthers? Yeah, I, 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 I could see that a little bit. Yeah. But I think as, as you guys were talking, the one thing that I get to thinking about is the fact that you're talking about a young team. Agreed. We, we have a young team. Um, we have brand new coaches pretty much. And nobody went through training camp last year. We didn't have OTAs. We didn't have any of that stuff. So this is really kind of the first foray into training camp for these guys, for Coach Rule. I mean, for the coaches, for some of these players. Um, And and, and so I think it's something they've definitely got to build on. Um, But I I do agree that, you know, who steps up in the end of games now? I mean, you know, you've got a pretty young quarterback. I mean, listen, the offense has got to go through CMC leading them. To me, that he's the man who's just got to step in the huddle and go, hey, let's go and, and focus on that. Defensive side of the ball, I, I you know, I, I don't, I, you know, even even somebody new like Daylon Jones, I mean, who's been there, but but still you you haven't had that training camp. So when we talk about discipline, for a lot of guys, this was their first training camp. For the coaches, it was a lot of their first training camps. So I think they're just still trying to, you know, put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And to me, that's where it this stuff's going to happen. And, and listen, guys haven't played football for a while. And this is training camp. And like Tyler said, it's 150 degrees. People are sweating. People are ticked off. Um, and it's football. Um, but I'm a little more leaning toward cutting them a little bit of slack because, like I said, this is the first time a lot of these guys have had the chance to go through training camp. And um, and and But some of these guys do have to step up. Yes, Jack, you're right. I think, you know, the CMCs, um, I, 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 you know, on the defensive side of the ball, I have no idea. Well, and so it's funny that you mentioned uh, Daquan Jones because Matt Rule has actually spoken out a couple times about Daquan Jones and and pinpointing him as a quickly established leader and some as one of the conscien- consciences of the team and talking about his mentions of leadership. He's mentioned it several times. So that, but I mean, we talked about you know what Derek Brown needs and what you know that one two punch of the two of them. And that only makes me feel that much better about having that partnership together because, and I think that's why you saw a bit more of that where KK was, you know, not that he wasn't a leader, but I mean, there was, it was clear that, you know, he probably wasn't going to be on the way out. And I think the best thing for Derek was to have a guy who can be a leader, but isn't necessarily going to be that number one guy. If that makes sense, like you can have Derek be the talent, 
but you can have, you know, Daquan over right next to him going like, kind of like, you know, kind of like Luke and Keith, or Luke and TD, you know, clearly obviously it wasn't like a huge gap, but obviously Luke was better than TD, but TD was yep. the better. I mean, he was the leader at least if, if, while Luke was leader of the rest of the defense, TD was Luke's leader. TD was the one, you know, saying here, here's what we got to do, or they're go both going back and forth. So I think that'll be a good partnership for the two of them, because I mean, Derek, like you talk, like Tyler talked about Derek Brown. I mean, that line and for Daquan, I mean, been in the league, what, three, four, maybe five years? Four, I think. And, and, just, I mean, and just as I started to Jack, I mean, Mike Vrabel said when he left the Titans, you're getting a leader. You're getting somebody who will get into the huddle and want to teach these kids. And it's four years, you say kids, but you, you have a coach like Mike Vrabel, who, you know, is a defensive minded guy who wanted those guys to step up to the plate. So he even said when he left the Titans, you're getting somebody who will go in and lead a football team. When you spoke about a guy who, I mean, in that defense, he was a, he was a mainstay at that yeah. position and in that defense, yeah. when that defense was switching all around. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do now. He took a couple of veteran days off, let, yeah. but then uh, Bravion Roy was running with the ones, which, I mean, we knew that's going to – that's and Bravion Roy also is another guy. He, in my mind, is like a, a, a Kyle Love or like a Wes Horton or a guy like that, you know, sticking in the – when he, he can come in when needed – and, and play that role. And I'm excited to see how he goes. Someone else I was looking, two other things that I, that were positives. We talked about some of the negatives that, uh, on, that apparently on Friday or on Thursday, they were running, um, end of game situational drills for the last, like 10 minutes of practice to the point where, and they had to cut it off in the point where the players are like, no, we want more reps. Please keep doing that. Please do that every week because we weren't, because apparently last year, that was the thing with Teddy where they weren't running that drill a lot. And I don't know, how you go out of last year not running that drill? Yeah, I was okay. So you, you say you t- you're talking about Thursday, right? Well, I I was there, and I and I'll, and I'll say this for for the Thursday practice, I was there. Sam Darnold seemed to have that day. He seemed to have control. He now, now he did seem a little. I, I mean, uh, what's gonna happen a lot is that McCaffrey's like, like like Jeff said, McCaffrey's still gonna be the engine of this offense. Like he's like he hasn't gotten to that point yet. I mean, mind you, he's on an entire new entirely new system, so. I don't expect him to really have this down to the point where he's fully letting this thing go until about week six or seven. I, that, I, that's when I would probably predict he'll get comfortable enough to really start slinging it. I, he doesn't. He doesn't like the same Sam Darnold in New York. He seems more conscious of not trying to make those big mistakes, but I think it's hindering him as far as just being being loose enough to be able to play as free as he needs. He's not playing as free as he needs to play in order to be a great quarterback. He's playing. He's playing well enough to be a good quarterback just to, to keep us out of trouble. I mean, I, and mm-hmm. I can't blame him for that because I mean, it's something he knew he had to, you know, work on to coming into the season. I mean, yeah, I view him as kind of like a guy. You know, he's like. I mean, he's a bit timid right now. He's a bit timid as to what he can do. So it's like going going over to a friend's house, and you know, your friends say you can do whatever you want. You can play the video games. You can. You're, and, and you're still like, I don't know what. I don't know what I want to do here. You know, I'm, I'm thinking he's still trying to ease his way into into the team. Yeah, you know, and that's something that I'm worried about for him because looking at our team in the future in the offseason as we get to that point, um, I don't want to have any questions about Sam Darnold. I want him to be great or I, I want him to clearly not be the guy. I want us to be able to make a decision about quarterback this offseason. I don't want there to be any gray area um, and have us risk um, almost wasting two years on Darnold. I want it to be figured out this year um, if Darnold's the guy or not, and we're not going to be able to figure that out and, unless he's playing quarterback the right way and actually taking shots on downfield because he can he does have the arm talent to do that um, he's got to know that you know playing that way there's going to be interceptions from time to time and uh, you know throwing interceptions in camp is not a bad thing you know that's this is where you practice to get better work out the kinks um, I'd rather you push the ball downfield now 
then in you know week four you're throwing you know all these interceptions that you're not used to right and then so you know looking at things I, I just want a firm answer after the season on Darnold and you know he needs to play you know to his full capacity for us to be able to make a decision yeah three quick things you know you mentioned you know get it out now I mean even you know Mahomes had I think four interceptions the other day three or four I mean it's going to happen it's it's preseason um you brought up a good thing Tyler you know I, I think we're in a very scary point of getting into that quarterback purgatory um, I keep going back to the Browns for 10 or 12 years. Um, I can even go with the Titans. My middle child and I were talking about it the other day, from Jake Locker to Kerry Collins to, uh, you know, I can't even name them all. Um, and, and, and that's the gist. What I haven't heard, and, and I heard it, they actually had a conversation on sports radio here yesterday morning. I mean, Friday morning, um, as I was riding around town doing some things. Would you still take Deshaun Watson over Sam Darnold? Yes. And, and 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 the problem the problem with that is I wish Matt Rule or Tepper or somebody would just shut it down. Either make a move or shut it down because the more you don't come out and go, "Hey, listen, stop with all this talk. Sam Darnold's our guy. We're, we're this is who this is the leader of our team for the future." I don't know about you guys and I, and maybe has, I haven't heard it. I haven't heard it, you know, and when these things are still out there going, "Hey, I mean, they did a poll. Like I said, it was like an hour-long conversation of people going, I would take Deshaun Watson in a heartbeat, no matter what the, you know, what goes with the, uh, the uh, whatever's going Honestly, on. Honestly, I don't care about the coaches shutting down. I care about the police either shut down what's going on or finish like, your investigation. Because you know, I, in my mind, you can't make a decision, and I know you can't cut it out either way, but, like, nothing's going to happen until, like, all the legality is You know what I'm getting at as a coach? No, yeah, I know. And, and I mean, I'm Sam Darnold. I want to hear Matt Rule and Joe Brady go, you're my guy. We're going to do this. You're here for three or four years. You're going to take us to the next level, and that is why we we got you. Unfortunately, Sam Donald right now is kind of like it's like a guy you know in his mid twenties, not wanting to commit to anything, wanting to play in the field. You don't want to say that, and then all right, all this stuff with Watson is cleared. You know, oh, none of this is actually happening now. Watson's back on the table, but he's not going to come to you because you said you don't want me. You want Donald, and the problem is that it's like Tyler's saying you don't want like. You you don't want to get – it was almost like with Mariota where Mariota, there was, he would show flashes of being good. And you're like, oh, no, this is our guy. And then he would show flashes of not. You're like, oh, wait, no, maybe this isn't our guy. And so the problem with that is that like – Don't talk bad about Mariota. Come on now. You know what I mean. <laughs> I know. Um, but the problem with it all is that you don't want to make a decision either way right now because, I mean, like I, he, I, from what I'm thinking right now, he's not playing in the season. Unless, no, unless, unless the vert, unless, unless the files or the cases are dropped, unless something happens, he's not playing this season. So it's at this point, it's just it's a non-starter, and until he is then cleared to play or not, I because I don't think he can keep playing within this, you know, this amalgam of whatever all that's going on. Like I don't know how that even works out because there's all these things, you know, on against him, and it's not going to look good on anybody to play him when all these things are still going on. So I think at that point. That's got to be at the back of our heads, and I, I and I know saying, "Hey, we're sticking with Sam" would be the way to do that, but I think at this point, just leave it out of sight, out of mind, and deal with that situation. But I know Chauncey's going to say something, but as long as that story's out there, I think with Sam Darnold and somebody who's kind of had this deal, every little throw is that in the back of his head. If I make one mistake, if I, do if this, I mean, if he can, if he's, if he's smart, he uses that as motivation to go, okay, like yeah. they want to still play around with this guy. Let me prove why you shouldn't. Right? No, I agree. And, the, the biggest thing for Sam is going to – and like you said, Jack, the biggest thing for Sam is not to think about it at all because it really it's out of his control. What happens in the front office is completely out of a player's control. Only thing he, only thing Sam can do is go out and prove every day, 
Go play. Why he's, why he's supposed to be the starting quarterback. Now, if I'm Matt Rule, don't say a word. Because one thing I've, I've not liked about Matt Rule is that he talks too much. Don't say anything. Look, don't commit to Sam Darnold until the year is over with. Don't say a word. Just let him play. Because if they did with Teddy, and look how that look how that worked. Exactly. You, you said all these things about Teddy, and and he's and he's out the door. You said a bunch of things about you know the previous quarterback. He was out the door too before the season even started. So he he doesn't have a great track record with you know. Put this. They put this. Everybody pretty much knows that when Matt Rule gives you a compliment, kiss to death, and you're pretty much done. So pretty he, much, it's pretty much how it goes. But I mean, Matt Rule talked about you know him trying to establish himself as a leader, and apparently he's done more to that. I know they put up well, another thing I like from training games. They put up the the uh, the DBO sign. Don't beat ourselves. I love that. Keep that sign up all year long. And apparently Sam's been leading the offense to that sign. Shanice, did you see any of that on Thursday? And what else did you see on Thursday? Yeah, I saw a lot of the DBO stuff going on. I really had I didn't have no idea what it was until I got on Twitter like <laughs> later on that day. But um, as far I was like, guys, it's DBU, not DBO. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, another thing I saw was DJ Moore looks like the alpha of the group. I, I said any money in the bank. He looks like the guy. I know a lot of people have kind of pushed Robbie up to the forefront. Robbie's gotten a lot of fanfare like, in the offseason as far as like media coverage as well. But DJ Moore is the guy, especially for a guy that got ranked as an 84 on Madden. I don't see how you came to that conclusion considering the, what he's been able to accomplish as thus far as the past three seasons. He seems to be – he definitely seems to be the guy. And I will say this, P.J. Walker seems to be the best – I won't say the best quarterback, but he has the most control of the offense thus far. I mean, but, I mean, between him and Will Greer, of course, he's better than Will Greer. He's got, Will Greer is a disaster. So are you putting Sam offense. Darnold in that conversation or are you saying after Sam Darnold? Oh, no, he's better. He's, he's currently right now playing better. He's practicing better than Sam Darnold right now. He's, he's throwing the ball down field more. He's throwing the ball with more zip. He's got yeah. a little more re- comfortable. It's, it's, exactly. It's, you, you can you can tell he's not. He, you can tell he's not thinking anymore. Will Grace right. is bad at football. I, I watched him. That is that was awful. <laughs> it was bad. And I, and I don't know how you can look bad against the threes when you were supposed to be a third round pick that was a, potentially supposed to be a backup. He looks like dog crap. That's I can go out there and play, dude. I can play. Like, it's it's really that bad. I, I'm not even exaggerating how bad this looks. But, yeah, P.J. Walker seems to be the most consistent guy as far as just being confident and what he sees. Brandon Zilstra is also making a big – he's made a big jump. You would be surprised. I know we called him Brandon Zucchini last year, but he, he would be surprised <laughs> by how good he's been. He's like another guy that seems to be – I know the offense. I've been here for a year, and now he's just, he's just playing football now. It's a, you can tell the difference between – and those two have a connection as well. Like, once Sam gets to that point where he's just playing football, then we'll start to see what we really have. Now, what about your guy and my guy and Jeff's oh. guy? <laughs> okay, well, I will say from Thursday, I didn't get because of where they were, where they were, you know, positioned. I didn't get to see a whole lot. It was a, it was a lot of eleven on eleven team stuff. So the one that I did notice from both of the rookies, actually Terrence Marshall and Shai, is that they're not. They you can tell they don't have a connection with their quarterbacks just yet. You can tell they just got there. You can tell they're still learning the playbook. They have the talent. They have all the talent in the world. As far as if I rank them talent wise. They're up there right beside DJ. They're, right, they're right, right beside DJ Moore and, and Robbie Anderson. But you can tell those guys just haven't built the connection up with their starting quarterback. I mean, you got, I mean, PJ Walker is looking for Brandon Zilstra right now. Sam Darnold is looking for Christian McCaffrey wherever he can find him. So those guys just have to continue, continue to progress, continue to get into the playbook because the, soon, the quicker you know the playbook and the quicker you can just go out and just play football without thinking, is the better you'll be. So those two guys, they just, they, it's still time. They still got a little ways to go. 
Let's see. There's two things that I'm looking for here. And we talked about it a little bit before. And I'm going to bring it up again in terms of looking at, you know, leadership and looking at, you know, kind of the guys that we want to kind of come out and, and be that guy. And I think it's kind of pivotal points for both Shaq and DJ on either side of the ball. Because, yes, McCaffrey is always going to be the kind of outspoken guy. You know, he's going to be like that. And you talk about, you know, DJ looking like the guy. I'm okay. I, I, you know, on the field, he's looking like a guy. He's looking like that guy we needed, but I need to hear it from him. Steve's talked about it. We've like, you know, he that dog mentality just to hear it from him. And that's why he doesn't get, you know, a whole lot of exposure on social media. He's not the one who's going to go straight to the camera. And I don't even go straight to the camera, but just to see, you know, whenever we can, some of the off the field stuff of him, you know, bringing the guys together. Because I mean, now, yeah, I mean, Robbie's a little bit older, but like he's still should be. And it's a pivotal point in his career. What, four or five years now, I think they're about. And I mean, that's what. I think it's four. I'm trying to, I'm fairly certain it's four, but you know, that's what you kind of need. And especially if he's going to be your wide receiver one, if we don't know how long Robbie's going to stay or what he's looking like on the field. I mean, Robbie, not that Robbie's can't be a leader. I don't think it's necessarily Robbie's role to be that leader. I think Robbie kind of plays that more, you know, just like, I'm just going to do me. I'm going to be successful. You know, we can all still, it's not going to take away from your success, but I'm going to do me and do what I, that's what he did in the jets. And that's what I think he's going to do here. Another guy. And we keep talking about it. And, he did a lot better job of it last year. We were, it was lacking for a little while, but he ended up starting to take it together. And that was Shaq and Shaq in his seventh year, you know, in his sixth year, like I said, we were looking for that leadership because there was a time during the last season where I was like, okay, does Shaq know what's going on? Like, does he, is he, you know, getting everybody together? And you didn't really see it. You started to see it a lot more there towards the end of the year as the defense started to progress as well. And I think that's, I need, I need to see a continuation of that because you talk about the defensive side of the ball. I mean, he's the veteran. He's the, he's the, he's the veteran. He needs, he's the, you're the middle linebacker. That's what you, and now you've got to not corral necessarily, but you have to make these guys, you've got Burns, Reddick, you've got Perriman. You need to find a way to make that group play together and play their roles well together. Because out of those guys, you're the one who's been on the team the longest and you're the one who needs to get it. Perriman, I don't want to say he's, He's not worrying me. I mean, the training camp has been a bit tumultuous for him either way. Nothing to his own fault. I know now he's sitting out right now. I couldn't remember if it was an injury, if it was COVID last I had checked. Um, but I know he's sitting out here for the time being. I want to say it was – I think it was something with his – but I know, of course, unfortunately, Shaq's been sitting out for a little bit as well. So not that there's anything to concern us, but those are two things I was looking at. Um, one thing that I did like that I saw was um, I've been seeing a lot of footage of Dan Arnold who's been making plays around and I'm excited to see, hopefully he's been making a presence for himself. I know Titan's been a point of concern, not point of concern, but just a point of interest for this team. And Tyler, I mean, I'm hoping someone can establish themselves as the number one guy. That's what I'm hoping, you know, and it was cool uh, back in the Panthers confidential thing. They showed a clip of, uh, you know, they were on the phone with Dan Arnold's agent and um, it, we, the deal almost didn't get done. You know, his agent was playing money, you know, hardball with us and, you know, trying trying to get a little bit more. They ended up signing the deal that we wanted. And now we got, you know, two athletic tight ends, two of the more athletic tight ends that we've had um, in a while now on the roster. And so, you know, him and Tommy Tremble, who is just you know, a great blocker and, and tested very well. So we got these two guys and, you know, hearing the Darnold to Arnold connection is, uh, is great. And something I just really want to see in the stat line, hopefully a lot. Um, you know, I'm in a couple dynasty fantasy football league so i got my uh dan arnold uh shares I, I picked him up in a couple you know hope i mean he's a good athlete good tight end so i'm hoping for some receiving production out of him and you know if we can get a tight end to step up in this offense uh where we already have you know a bunch of great options at receiver and then christian mccaffrey that i think will round things together especially if he can add value as a blocker 
which I think Tommy Tremble can, and to open things up more in the run game too. So um, if we can get one extra player, one extra skilled position player to break out on offense, whether it's a Dan Arnold, a Chuba Hubbard, um, you know, a Shy Smith, even somebody that can contribute um, in rotational reps, um, that'd be huge for us as a whole because we already have a great, you know, top end of our roster on offense established. But if we can get some of these other guys involved, like a Darren, Dan Arnold, you know, I, I think it just takes us to that next level. Yeah, I can sure. something here, um, real quick. You know, I'm the old guy, so I had to take notes. I'm writing down notes over here. Um, you know, the one thing is you mentioned that um, the, the tight end position. I mean, you just got to find that right guy. And I'm just going to talk just two seconds about the Titans. Whatever, when we lose Delaney Walker, we lose John and Smith. We got some guy named Anthony Fersker who's never, not ever heard of yet. Last year, when John went down, he stepped in and got the play, got the job done. And now people are talking about him. It's just that one or two seasons with the tight end. If you find that guy who's not flashy, but gets the job done. And we've had Wesley Walls, we've had Greg Olson, we've had those guys that just find the way to get it done, which for me, for the tight end, it is. Um, you know, and Shanti, you were talking, you know, about the receivers. And when we talk about DJ, I think player. I think somebody who's going to get the job done. When I think about Robbie Anderson, I think flash. Um, just those two. You know, DJ to me is that guy who's just going to be the player. Robbie can get a little flashy and everything like that. But um, I want to ask Tyler real quick, if Jack doesn't mind, you know, for for um, all these guys, um, and you, 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 you've been there, especially with the college experience now and stuff, you mentioned the playbook. I mean, are we not talking after a year of not having training camp or whatever and stuff? How important is that playbook? I mean, if you come in as a rookie or whatever, uh, you know, an undrafted free agent, and you know that playbook, where does that put you on the level of some guys who are just going to come in and think they can get the job done? I think it really does give you an advantage when we're starting, especially, you know, looking at things on the offensive side of the ball, you know, these days, it's, you know, routes aren't static anymore. A lot of these routes that you're running downfield, you're reading the coverage as a receiver. So if I'm a receiver, I'm reading, okay, is it one high? Is it too high? Are they playing man? Are they playing some sort of zone? And how am I adjusting my route to it? So it's not just your, all right, run the nine route right now. It's and block this guy. It's a lot different now. It's a lot more complicated. And, you know, it just takes time to learn. You know, even if you are, um, you know, a high level rookie, high pick that's going to play early on, you know, the playbook's smaller in the beginning of the year. That's what, uh, you know, Tua last year. Um, with the Dolphins, they said the playbook was much bigger with Fitzpatrick because, you know, he's played for so long. And then he, it's a lot of the stuff you see over and over again for Tua. It's a lot of new stuff. So they got to narrow down the playbook and um, they're not going to do that for, uh, you know, a third round pick at rookie, you know, that's competing for a roster spot. So, you know, you got to learn it. And especially, you know, at that tight end position where, you're a receiver and a blocker, and you truly need, do need to know that you know the pass protection, the run blocking, who you're blocking, you know where you're lining up first of all, and then now you have to run all these routes too. So for somebody like a you know Tommy Tremble, I can see um, you know this being a you know a slow year for him, and we don't hear much from him. But a couple of years down the road, once he really sees and gets into the playbook and yep. becomes that veteran presence at tight end. Um, yep. I think, you know, some of these guys, especially the tight end and even receiver position, take a little bit longer um, at times to get used to that playbook and then mesh in with the rest of the team. Tyler, I agree with you because you see it a lot, especially with tight ends. They don't always jump off the, you know, jump right out of the bat, right out of the gate right away. You see the guys like George Kittle, even Kelsey, and, you know, guys like Delaney Walker. I mean, they don't always take, you know, they don't always get going that quickly. Even with us, with Greg Olson, you know, they take a couple of years the really dynamic guys, some of them jump on the scene and go right off the bat. But I mean, I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing in the world if he's taking that time, especially if we've got guys right now, like, you know, Arnold and 
I still pray because I still love the guy, Ian Thomas, that can maybe make plays. And that's what, again, preseason is going to be a huge thing to see where this team is going to gel. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, just looking at the offensive side of the ball, that's all that's true. But same goes for defense, especially in, um, you know, our defense where we're so multiple. A lot of guys playing different positions, too, like Jeremy Chin last year. Um, you know, now he's able to kind of move around a little bit more because he's has some more experience in our defense. So um, just guys like that, guys, you know, finding the nickel role with, you know, an A.J. Boye, um, working him in there, that's something new for him. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of picks that up. Um, and just a, a lot of these guys you know, moving around. Hassan Reddick comes to mind. I was actually, you know, we we're talking about him and where he's lining up. I've seen him um, in videos working with the linebackers. And then we know last year he, you know, was top five in the league in sacks. So um, he can do a little bit of everything. So it's really for him just, you know, learning the playbook, learning how to be multiple in his alignments. Well, so then you talk about, unfortunately, though, Tyler, with AJ, unfortunately, he's been dealing with, I want to say it was a, if I'm looking here, it was a calf sprain or a calf tweak, a soft tissue sprain, excuse me, um, a soft tissue strain. So he is uh, hopefully not going to miss too much practice and too much, you know, preseason because, I mean, they said he's, it's looking like a couple weeks and, you know, he's already going to miss that time with, um, with he's already going to miss that time with the suspension. So that gives me a little bit of concern because I was kind of hoping for him, you know, I mean, we talked about the depth at cornerback a little bit where like it's there, it's still not what you want. It's a lot of guys that are serviceable when you have, you know, Melvin and you have, uh, I mean, you have still Keith Taylor coming up. We don't know what Troy pride situation is going to be. You know, he's been outspoken about trying to be that guy this year. So, I mean, and, and that's what Ian talked about, you know, two areas that I, I wish we could, focus on O-line and cornerback where I thought we did a little bit more seem to still always be those questionable areas for you. And I mean, I guess, you know, it's hard, especially in training camp. And especially, you know, when you have these types of practices, when it comes to cornerbacks and it comes to offensive line, it, it can be understandable to have, you know, there be question marks because I mean, when it comes down to that, the, the only real ways other than, I mean, for offensive line, the only way to gauge how you're doing is to just go in the trenches and go like, you can, you know, go through the technique and whatever, and you can go, you know, set, like half speed, but, the main way to gauge it is going full speed and showing how you're going to go in a game situation. Same kind of thing with cornerbacks. You can go one-on-one -on -one with a wide receiver, but I mean, if it's not, you know, breaking down the zones and having, you know, those live situations, it's hard to, to gauge, you know, how they're, they're buying everything into. And so that's something that, you know, again, preseason, that's what I'm, I mean, that's, that's what I'm always looking for at the beginning of the year. That's the first thing I always look at is how's the offensive line doing? How's the secondary doing? And that's preseason. I think is only going to heighten, my anxiety for those two situations because that's just, you know, your first, your first plays in live action. And we don't know, you know, what this line's going to look like. I, I really still don't know. I mean, they've been running, you know, they've been running Moten, I want to say at, uh, at right tackle. And that, and that point you're, you're putting your left tackle, you would assume, um, oh, his name is escaping me. I'm sorry. Uh, Christensen, you're assuming Christensen's going to be that, that left tackle holding that blind side, but Tyler's giving me the eye. I, I mean, is that, is that what we're thinking about? Yeah, yeah. It's been kind of – I've been trying to follow along. It's been tough because, you know, a lot of those guys, they've been moving around a little bit. Um, originally, I heard uh, at one point, uh, you know, on the Panthers draft board, Christensen was a uh, second-round guard and a third-round tackle. I think he can stick at tackle. Um, I think, you know, Taylor Moton is our best tackle. And, uh, you know, he's played on the right – you know, for most of this time, I think, you know, we saw reps of him in training camp, you know, working on the left side 
And I knew, I do know that Christensen has been working at the right tackle spot, which might become a little bit more natural for him because, you know, he's that more of a guard type and um, you can, you know, that's traditionally what the right tackle is. So potentially we could see a line with um, Taylor Moton at the left tackle and Christensen at the right tackle, because, you know, I, I do think Christensen is one of our top five offensive linemen. However, I don't think he's going to start week one. I, I just, I don't feel like Christensen is going to be in the starting lineup um, just based off what we've seen and stuff. Um, I know he's talented. I bet you he breaks the starting lineup at some point this year, just because how we know uh, how frequent offensive line injuries are. Um, so you know, looking at that, it's been good to see. Um, also, speaking of offensive line, Deontay Brown, you know, we, we kind of talked about, you know, how we got Brady Christensen, this big athletic offensive tackle, but then uh, we got Deontay Brown, who's a bit slower and more powerful. And so usually when you're building your offensive line, you want to work in a scheme that works together with one another. And those two were complete polar opposites. But uh, Deontay Brown, it appears that he's lost some weight, is a little bit faster, in better shape. So that's really good to hear as a, you know, a longtime starter at Alabama, great program. So, uh, you know, if he can be a contributor early on at that guard spot, I'd be really excited um, to kind of figure out our offensive line. Because right now I've heard that Cam Irving is the starting uh, left tackle, which Who? is not ideal. Cam Irving from the um, yeah, no, Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. Yeah, and that's and that's my biggest thing. Like, it's especially with the offensive line. It's con- consistency, and not even just consistency in the in the squad we have up, but like, and Moten has seen the most of it. Moten has been asked to do so much to play almost like any line position that he can to play anywhere on the field. Like, keep it. I just like put him in a position and keep them there. Unless there's, you know, obviously injuries that make you change. what well, like, if you're going to put him in a certain spot, just let him play at that spot. Whoever it is, it could be Christensen, it could be Moten. Like, just keep them at that spot. Let them try to gel in that situation. Because, I mean, that's what held us last year is that last year's line was not above average by any way, shape, or form. The reason it worked and the reason, you know, we saw the insecurities with Teddy is because it was a consistent line. We could gauge that, okay, look, at the line's not changing. Teddy's still doing this or that. Like we can see that's the, you know, variables in his play, but the line for the most part was one of the most consistent lines in terms of who was on the field we've had in a, in a good, in a long time. I mean, the five did not change that much. And you saw that over time, you know, a line that when they can build that chemistry as a group, they can develop, you know, that, you know, they're the, the, you know, only as they can build that kind of chain, that fence, and play as a single unit and not just five guys that are popping in and out and like, like different pieces of puzzles, because that's a huge thing. So in my mind, like, it's just, I don't think, I mean, I don't think it'd be an issue to not start Christensen to me. It'd be, it's different than Greg because Greg little was, you know, injured when we first, but to me it'd be like, okay, you've drafted him in this top three. Like it would be creating almost like a pattern of having these third round draft picks and it's not good for an organization to always consistently start their top three, all of their top three. But, you know, the best teams find a way to inc- incorporate all of their top three picks or they draft their top three picks to go to positions that they know need that immediate facelift. So that's for me what I'm looking for with the offensive line. And I'm, I'm glad to hear about the De- about Deontay. I mean, he's a he's huge. And if we can find a way, we talked a little bit about, you know, maybe putting it together a line where you're filling the needs of, of the, the hole that the other person is leaving up, but maybe it's more conducive to just have a set of guys that can all just work in tandem. 
Yeah, definitely. And it's been interesting because, um, you know, Matt Paradis, who, you know, we, we see as a center, he went down, I, I guess, the other day. And then they moved Elfline, who um, is going to be probably our starting left guard. They moved him to center. So um, that's good to have that versatility. And um, there's a lot of different guys, I think, that can play a lot of different positions. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how it shapes up. Shantese, what were you going to say? Uh, main thing I was going to say was just that, we gotta figure this out. I know, I know, I know. It's cool. It's just training camp. I know it's very early, but they gotta figure out where we gotta put guys. Where, like, like you, like you said, talked about earlier, Jay. We gotta figure out what we gonna put Taylor Moore. We paid him. We paid him all the dollars. I understand that you wanna because we paid him and because he's, he's we've secured him on the roster now. They feel more probably more flexibility to be able to say, hey, let's try you here, let's try you there. But we do need to find a real answer at that left tackle position because until you figure that out, none of your quarterbacks are gonna last. Your offense is never going to take that next step because the biggest step you got to take is protection. No matter no matter what you have on the outside, what you have in the skill positions, protection is always going to matter first. So until they figure that out, they don't seem to really trust Christensen at, at left tackle. They seem to he's, he's probably going to be a guard, but he, I don't I don't know if we found our answer at left tackle this year either. We're probably going to be back in free agency next year and in the draft looking for another left tackle. And you got to think about too. You talked about protection. I get protecting Sam Darnold. You got to protect that guy in the backfield. I mean, do you want a 300-pound, 330, 340 defensive tackle falling on him, or do you want him in open field maybe getting, you know, a rub by a linebacker or safety or corner? You know what I'm getting at? And I think that's why they're you – know, like you said, I mean, not to cut you off, but yeah, I think so, that's – Yeah, if you got two guys falling on him that are, you know, you know, you got to keep him healthy. And if he's and, landed by that, you you got you got some issues. Why not to cut you – yeah, like to go off what you're saying, I mean, I think that's – and we talk about, you know, having Trenton go and doing different things, making, you know, putting in Chuba. I mean – we didn't really know what his role was going to be coming in at what fifth, fourth or fifth pick. I can't remember entirely what, and we knew it was a bit of a reach. We didn't really know why, you know, what the thought process was there, but I think it's two takes. I mean, you had a guy who, you know, he's still talking about his situation with the team he was in and kind of how the formula worked for him there, but he still made it, he was impactful and you made it, cons- and you made a consistent draft pick for him. So I think that, Hopefully would take off of it a little bit. I also had a bone to pick because he, he wasn't in the top 10 for running backs for breaking tackles. And I think, I think that's a little, and Madden at least. And I think that's, I think that's an issue because we, he's shown that he can bounce off of people. Um, but you're right. And I think like Sean, he's talked about it, you know, trying to like figure this stuff out now, even though it's, it's just training camp. But the thing that keeps coming to mind with me is it's that it's the level of urgency. I don't know where the team still sits because we, the crazy part is we have a wide range of urgency that we can choose from because if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, this, I mean, this team does not like need to be successful right away. I, every, obviously every fan, no one's going to shy away from getting to the playoffs next year. You know, no one's going to say we don't want that, but this team has time looking at the division, looking at the makeup of the team. There's nobody on the, you know, there's no player that's on the clock for retirement right now, but also, especially in training camp and especially to get ready for the season, like you talked about like, Oh, everyone's, you know, no one ever had, no one had a preseason, you know, across the league, no one had a preseason last year. They're all, that's, that's all fine and good. But a good percentage of the teams, their rosters are almost, you know, 85 to 90 percent similar to what it was last year. Like they've got this relationship with their coaching staff. They've got this relationship together. We are one of the few teams that is I mean, it's like night and day with from, you know, from three, four years ago in terms of coaching. I mean, everything, coaching, ownership, players like everything is different. And so you need to take like you can't really waste any time like going, Oh, it's training camp. You know, Oh, it's like, you got to start getting this going. I mean, this is your opportunity where all you have to focus on is building chemistry, 
for gelling together and working on your, you know, self as a team. Like that's the main purpose of the, of training camp and preseason. So like we're not on the clock dependent upon, it just depends on what our, you know, where we are on that level of urgency, where, like how successful do we want to be in what time frame? that will determine, you know, how much you've got to start working and how much you need to be on the clock all the time. Yeah. But I will say this, we got to get at least to seven to eight wins. It's got to yeah. be in a, it, it can't it, it, you can't go to you can't go to five to six. It's got to be seven to eight wins. You're in the middle of the pack. If you as long as you're there, you're fine. I will say this: I don't know what we're doing to safety because from what I've seen, every clip I've seen, it, it, any great catch has been has been made has been Sam Franklin on, on the other on the other end. Of it. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. Either Sam Franklin or Troy Pride. I've seen both of them get in in quite a bit. I mean, Tommy Tremble made a catch on Sam Franklin, and what from what we were told. He's just a blocking tight end. So they pushed him to the forefront being one of one of the guys that's gonna be in the rotation at safety. Uh and see, I think that's going to be a problem and something that's gonna come back. The only and what was a very productive draft, I think that's going to be the one dark spot in my mind, because I understand you have Chin and I understand you have Burris, but if you look at those two guys objectively, Burris is not a starting safety. He's 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 a bargain bin fill in safety. He can make flash. He can make he has flashes of 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 ability, but not enough to hold you down. Especially if that's your last line of defense and that's your fail safe. He is not that guy. And the pro and, and Chin don't get me wrong, Chin athletically is. And, and from what I've been seeing in camp, he's been making strides to do so. But when you like, you're going to lose what Chin was last year, and you're going to lose what what made Chin stand out was. He could run down there on a dime, take somebody's head off, rip, quite literally rip the ball out of a running out of out of a running back's hand in the middle of a scrum. Like you're going to lose that because you need to keep him there to make up for either Burris or whoever we have at our cornerbacks. I'm ho- and that's that is thinking best case scenario that he will be a a game ready safety come regular season because that is still a question mark. Like, we don't know in live action how he's going to do. And so in my mind, that was something that you needed to address. In, in, the, in those first three picks. Like, I'm not saying I'm not going to appreciate if Terrace goes off and he's doing well. Like, that's going to be awesome. And I obviously we needed to get, we needed to get Christensen. Clearly, like, we need, obviously we needed to get those guys. And I hope Terrace as well. But in my mind, that second or third pick really should have been. And I know that the safety class wasn't, you know, all it was all, anything to really write home about. But there's still, I mean, if you, if you, in those third rounds, in those th- first three rounds, you're going to find a guy who can be serviceable for your future because we, and, and talking about safety depth, who else is behind them? Well, Kenny Robinson, I guess. Kenny Robinson. Is he still on the team? He's still, yeah, he's still there. He's, I mean, they, they work him in. I mean, I don't know. I hadn't heard anything like positive nor, or negative. So, I mean, I guess I'll take it. You know, take it like that, one but. of those guys goes down and, yeah, another another thing too is that you know, JC, I, the pressure's on JC, and, and, it, and it's high because, you know, you think about who you passed up on to get JC on, and it was a guy we were both we all were looking at. We thought, oh, this is easy. You just go get him, and you didn't. And cornerback is a tricky spot because, it, you know, you may have a guy like Marshawn Lattimore who comes in and dominates his rookie year, or Jalen Ramsey who dominates, but you may have a guy that may take a year or two. And if you take a year or two. We put we put a top ten pick into you, man. I, I don't. It, it look, somebody's getting fired. It's like the and it's like the Josh Norman James Bradbury kind of you know complex. And you look you because the problem like you talk about with cornerback 
What's going to make everybody happy is seeing those flashy interceptions, those flashy plays, but that doesn't always translate into long-term substance. We see, obviously, how jo- – and, I mean, to the point where we thought, you know, I mean, Josh Norman did so well that season that people were ready to fire the entire front office after letting him walk and not franchise tagging him. Everyone was ready, ready to just set Mint Street on fire, look down the road. Now you see – I mean, and things he, could have been different, but it wasn't a bad move. Yeah, but then you didn't, Bradbury, didn't need Keith James long enough to even see him become the guy he is now. Exactly. And Bradbury <laughs> was showing those flashes, but it wasn't it wasn't enough substance. There wasn't any interceptions. There wasn't anything cool to write home about. So people didn't they didn't look at the true impact he had when locking down guys like Julio and Mike Evans and Michael Thomas, like game in and game out when he had to play them. And then you now see, I mean. And it's crazy because now he's listed as one of like the top five cornerbacks in the league. Where when he was with the Panthers, it was it was nothing. So that's the problem with JC is that it, like it takes time, and it's that, it's, almost like, it, it's almost like a, it's it's a, it's a damned either way because you make like as, unless you unless you make those flashy plays and consistently do that, then you know it, it's a lot of pressure to put on 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 him. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. Looking at that first round pick, and then. You know, like Shanti said, seven or eight wins is kind of the goal here. Because if we're under that, you know, already it's looked like Justin Fields has had a very good training camp. And uh, that's always going to be really hard to watch. That's always going to be really hard to watch as a Panthers fan because, um, you know, there's no there's no coming back from that. Uh, and, you know, we got to hope that Darnold is, you know, everything he's hoped to be. Um, and that these guys, J.C. Horn being the guy that we took, can step up and really – uh, develop that secondary because the thing about these training camp videos that you see with um you know usually the videos are from the offensive perspective well they're going against your own guys right they're going against your own guys and they're doing good things against your own guys so there's got to be some sort of balance there and um you know hopefully horn lives up to that expectation we get enough wins Darnold proves to be you know what he can be and so i just so i don't feel bad about the fields situation <laughs> well you know okay couple quick things a uh, Justin Fields could easily be rookie of the year without question. And I'm not even really up for discussion. You talk about like going to get your own team. This is a funny story. I don't know if you guys heard about AJ Brown. They asked him why he had such a good uh, pre, like training camp for the Titans. He said, when you go against our secondary, it's pretty easy. Um, yeah, that's not cool. Um, but back to the mindset and the urgency. And you guys mentioned a little bit with JC Horn and stuff like that. First of all, you got three preseason games. You don't have four. So you got to kind of get one that away. Number two, even though, you know, it was 16, now it's 17 games, so it's a different feel a little bit with that 17th game. But the thing we love about the NFL is every snap matters. So you don't have time to figure out your urgency. I mean, this is not the NBA or the Major League Baseball where you got hundreds of games. Yeah. You got 17. You better get on it and get on it quick and get out of the gate quick. And when you play the Jets and the Texans in the first three weeks – like that first three weeks is going to be so telling. You, you, you got, you listen, you cannot walk out from the Jets and the Texans without win. You just, you can't. You just, you go, if they go one and one, I'm behind. I'm saying, if, if they go one and one, rules already on the chopping block. Who they play with two? Are you saying one and one on both of those teams? Yeah. If you, if you lose to the Jets week one, I'm out. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm. I really am out. I'm really. I, I can't. I really can't stay around for 16 more games if you lose to the Jets. I ain't gonna lie. I, we're gonna. I, I, we're, but we're see, gonna I think the Texans may be worse than the Jags. So we're Jags. gonna go. We're gonna go. We're gonna play Devil's Advocate here and go worst case scenarios. So we're gonna play the Jets week one. Listen, the Texans are a train wreck. We don't even know who their quarterback's gonna be. 
they're di- they're, they're they're a train wreck. So I'm saying yeah. we'll Absolutely. we'll go worst case scenario here, and we'll say you know we'll play Jets week one. Worst case scenario, we lose. All right, Darnold's out. We pick up Watson. He's just been cleared to play. We figured out a trade for him. We made it work. We played Texas week two. We lose. Then then everything just goes to hell in a handbasket with our team. And then rules on the chopping block. Well, week two, you have New Orleans. Okay, you win. I mean, I don't know who's on their team right now. You've got to win two of those first three. You've got to. Who's Who's the third game? But no, it's 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 the Jets, Jets, the Saints, and then the Texans. Okay, you should be two on one. You really I, should. I, I, I would expect you to lose to the to the Saints if anything. Because if, I do. If, if, and listen, I'll give Jameis credit. What I've heard and seen from Jameis Winston, the man is taking some responsibility and really trying to grow as a player. God bless him. I do think Jameis is really going to surprise a lot of people, I and agree. I think Sean Payton's a good enough coach to where. I agree. They're going to be in the playoff picture. Yeah, but I win two of those three. Win two of those. You got yeah, to win two. The Jets and the Texans. You, if you're going to make a statement, you got to get out of the gate and be two and one. Beat the bad teams. If you can be, yeah. beat the bad teams, and then I can we we can work from there. But it's just going to be uh, I just, those three weeks are going to be very very telling. And that first game, like if you lose to the Jets, everybody's jumping ship. I'm just telling you right now. You lose to the Jets, yes, you have to beat the Jets. <laughs> is he at Jets. home? I mean, the NFL, NFL really it's, said – the NFL really said – It's at home. The yeah. NFL really said, like, all right, Darnold, here you go. Like, this is your opportunity. You're going to play your old team right out of the bat. Yeah, and sorry, I don't know how better to put this. If he craps the bed against the Jets – That's he it. Better not, he better not come back. P.J. That's will be starting week two. Be, they'll be calling for P.J. week two. I'm telling yeah. you, they could, they could pick up Deshaun and have him starting before the Texans game. Bro. Sheesh. But it gets back to that urgency. This is a, that's why I love the NFL, and that's why I love college football. That's why I love football. Every snap, every game matters. You don't have time to you know find your 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 rhythm, and so you got to go. And with three preseason games, you better get on it. Well, like I said, it's feeling more and more like football season with each passing day. And I mean, it's getting to the point. And this, it's I mean, everyone's. All everyone wants to do is watch it. Everyone's going to overanalyze everything. So we're also going to have to keep our wits about us because everyone's been so cooped up. All they want to do is watch it and look at it and read it again. And Panther Short has been all right for a little while now. I'm expecting it to get a little – I'm expecting this is the calm before the storm once preseason hits. Either way, I know it's going to be fun to watch. You lose it at middle school up there called Zach Wilson, bro, we're going to know something. You're going to know something. I'm going to tell you that right now. (laughs) If the camp camp counselor beats us, that's that's, that's about it for me. I'm going to take my – we're going to have to take you back to church camp Figure out how you're gonna make it. How you gonna work it out? You're gonna be sent back to the cabin with all your gear. Well, our first preseason game is a week from tonight. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm excited. That is so crazy. Against the Colts, correct? Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, so the practice was against the Ravens, and that pre- first preseason game was against the Colts. So and it's, like, yeah. So it's next uh, next Sunday at one o'clock. So we'll have something to talk about Sunday night. We will It'll be oh, the so first fun. episode. So this is the last episode of the season before we get to actually talk about games that are going on. And that is just a beautiful, beautiful thing to say. Um, so sorry for uh, for silence. We weren't able to get him on. Let me try to get that on maybe another week. And we'll try to get anyone on again. Fans, if you want to reach out, or fans, listeners, I always feel weird calling it like fans. Who's a fan of us? Uh, man, they're the homies, bro. We don't, we don't call them fans. Yeah. They're, they're, they're the homies. The homies, if you want to come on, and remember, you got to just DM us, let us know. We're going to start adding guests on again as we want to bring in some outside fan insight because we're just fans ourselves and some outside fan insight as we're going on to these games. So pay, you know, stay tuned as we're going to come up. Same thing, like Jeff was saying, games at one. We'll have the podcast right after. And I can't wait to get back to it. So until then, keep pounding.